2: We are so excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, is a new sponsor to the show.
0: 2020
2: was obviously very hard, but podcasting wasn't thanks to Zencaster.
0: We had to keep recording our season, but now we had to do it remotely. I might say I'm confident in Photoshop all the time, but I am no audio engineer. And Zencaster has made our lives easier during a pretty stressful time. They provide a crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video.
2: And we love that it records separate audio and video tracks for the, our guests and us. Plus, it's super easy for guests to use. We just send them a link and we're ready to record.
0: There's a secured cloud backup, so you never lose your recordings. Thank God.
2: And did we mention it's super easy to use and there is nothing to download? Go to zen.ai slash oldmillennialspod and get 30% off your first three months with a pro account. That's slash O-L-D-M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L-S-P-O-D and get 30% off your first three months of a pro account. Bye. Bye. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I am your other host, Emily Beijing. Today on things that force us to acknowledge the passage of time and face our own mortality, it really kind of proves that the ones that or closest to you, kind of hurt you the most. I'm talking to you, TCM, and Ben Mankiewicz. Several months ago, you gave me the idea of this very episode by airing Bridget Jones's Diary on your fine channel because it had turned 20. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, <sighs> it's a very tough pill to swallow, that a movie made in 2001, not 1923, is now considered a classic of the Turner movie variety. Daddy to Mankiewicz. <laughs> I know, he betrayed us. So to mourn this and celebrate our joyful rom-com that solidified Colin Firth and Hugh Grant as certified stud status, we had to bring on our first peak guest and fellow rom-com head, Meg Hayes of the Vicious Cycle Podcast. Hi, Meg. Hi, Meg. What's up? I'm so excited. Thank you for coming on. I'm so glad. I had a hunch that you would be a fan of this, not just because we worked on a rom-com-themed sketch show, but also just because I feel
3: like... Have we had conversations about Bridget Jones before? I don't know if we have. It feels like something we would do, but I don't know if we have. Right? Yeah. Well,
2: I think we should just get into it. And we usually kind of kick off these discussions with a general temperature check of what is your relationship to Bridget Jones's diary now we're sp- talking specifically about the movie but also if you've read the book like m- like feel free to go into that as well
3: I haven't read the book and now I actually really want to because I would imagine it reads like a breeze I'm like oh this would be a great book <laughs> like well it does <laughs>
2: It's way more diary style um, in it, obviously, yeah. but it is really fun and it is a total breeze. And it's not, actually not even very long. Like, I don't even know if it's 300 pages. So it, from what mm-mm. I recall, it's a, it's very funny and it is it's not as different from the movie, but it is a breeze to read. You're, it's a perfect beach read.
3: Yeah, I was going to. Yeah, it seems like a perfect beach read, vacation read. I forgot a book and I'm going on a line, long flight type of read. <laughs> It makes all the sense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what's funny is the first thing that I think of when I think of this film is my best friend Talene and her mom. Her mom loved this movie. And her mom was heartbroken when she found out Renee Zellweger isn't British. (laughs) She was like, what?
0: She Um, is. I will say this, though. We're talking spectrum of American actors with British accents. I put Zellweger on top, like at least, you know, top five.
3: Yes. Oh, great. Who, who's in really y'all's, like,
2: good. top American actors? Who's who's y'all's, like, top three of American actors doing British accents? Like, she's up there, so let's give her, like, two. Who's one in three? Gwyneth,
0: obviously, because she basically pretends she's British.
2: <laughs> I mean, I guess. I feel like it's less British and more just, like, uptight wasp. <laughs>
0: I mean, they literally have the same dialect coach, though. So uh, for Bridget Jones and Shakespeare in Love, Gwyneth oh. and Monet use the same oh,
2: person. Wow. Yeah, that's but sometimes crazy. results do vary. You know what I mean? <laughs>
3: that's, on, that's on that person's website. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's funny. I only really pay attention to Brits that do American accents really well. Like, I, it's... Like I don't it would have to be someone that I assume probably to this day is British that isn't. And I can't think of who else. But Renee's really oh, good. Gillian
0: Gillian Anderson.
3: Oh right. Yeah. Oh. She's
2: not British. Or she is
3: British? She's like
0: American, but spent a lot of time in England. Got it. But she's still American.
2: Yeah. yeah she's like cool from North Philly porn. or something random. You're like, what? <laughs>
3: Yeah. Well, it's like Idris Elba on the other end is like shockingly good at regional accents. I'm like, how are you good at American regional accents? It's So random. Like, how are you not from Baltimore? Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the first thing I think of when I think of this film is just how incredibly lovely and charismatic Renee Zellwicker is. Probably the most relatable she will ever be in her life is this film.
2: Uh, oh, for sure. hmm She's not relatable in Judy to you.
3: <laughs> I haven't seen Judy yet. It's uh, really good. She's really oh, good, good in it. She's One of those, like, oh, her
2: accent work is spectacular. Like she really can like take an affect and like turn it into a whole personality.
3: Yeah, that's true. Um, I'll have to see that movie because I I really love um Judy Garland I grew up with around a lot of old movies so I'm like it, it's gotta be good uh, but I'm glad to hear that it's good um I also well, love Renee how do you feel about Bridget Jones
2: well, how do you feel I, about Bridget Jones being an old movie now
3: <laughs> well um 20 years is shocking although it feels it's funny right before I came on here I was um reflecting on the very specific 2003-esque era camera work of them kissing because it's like close up but it's also (laughs) kind of moving like it's jostly and close up and i'm like something about the war in iraq made us do jostly a close (laughs) kissing scene (laughs) because i swear to god if you watch love actually it's the same shit and that's that's like around the same time so
2: specific. Well, Love Actually and Bridget Jones both share Richard Curtis in common, so maybe that's mm-hmm. just like his style of smooch oh, scenes. Yes, there we go. Unclear. I mean, that's just an unfounded theory out of thin air, but <laughs> it
3: makes. <laughs> I was gonna sense. say.
2: I mean, I kind of like their kissing. I don't like the way it's shot, but it, you know, the snow and all of that is like quite romantic, right? Oh, here oh, I, I am I trying to be see. British and quite. <laughs>
3: No, I agree. I love I love the scene um, of her running. There's so many iconic scenes in this movie. I agree. It's just it struck me as like, I've seen this before. And then I realized, oh, it's from a British comedy around the same time. That's interesting.
2: Emily, what's your relationship to Bridget Jones?
3: I mean, I saw this, I remember, I think I saw it
0: at my cousin's place or something, you know, in 2002, 2003, like we rented it. Absolutely loved it. Like there's just enough, I can't say enough good things about this movie. I was telling you, uh, earlier, I watched this movie at least once a year. Um, I just, you know, fantasized about being in my 30s. I think when I was a teenager. Like I'm one of those like the coastal grandmother theme that's been coming up with Nancy Myers. Like I relate to that because I'm always realizing I wish I was like 20 years older than I actually am. Um what is surprising to me now is that I am in fact older than the Bridget Jones character now, as I am mm-hmm. 34. Um that was a real shocker to me as I rewatched it ahead of recording this episode. Um, But yeah, just, you know, it's just one of those that surprisingly has aged really, really well apart from maybe one or two words um, and just is, you know, grew more and more relatable as I got older.
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting that like. Oh, back to what you were saying, Emily, about how you always fantasize about being in your 30s. I had always assumed that like Bridget Jones and this kind of came out around the same time as well, that Sex and the City were always like in their 20s. I don't know, as like a younger person, that's just how I perceive their behaviors. Maybe I just like was not paying attention clearly was not paying attention when they said how they actually are. And so it was actually more of a shock to revisit these things recently and be like, oh, you guys are my age and like slightly older and slightly younger. And that is kind of shocking to see the them kind of like reflected back to you, but from... 20 years ago and how the standards have changed and have stayed the same in a lot of ways. But I think that sex in the city and Bridget Jones kind of coming out around the same times is not an accident in the sense that like they're both about female empowerment and they share a lot of the same themes about like wanting love, but not needing a man. And a lot of the same, like n- not being like a perfect a romantic lead and being kind of like quirky and your personality and that's kind of okay. And it was kind of like maybe the beginnings, but very earnest beginnings of like manic pixie dream girl a little bit. Like some Mm -hmm. of the personality traits are just like so quirky. You know what I mean? Like I understand she has verbal diarrhea as something of which I am also afflicted, but um, I just feel like there were some things where you can kind of see a little bit of the DNA of something that will get bastardized like later on in the odds.
3: I did not even think about the connection to Sex in the City, but the, the very, like, modern woman who has sex like a man or, like, who wants or wishes she could have sex like a man. Yeah, that, that theme is definitely similar in both of them. I... Also, it's add like the
0: other thing of just like seeing um, a character unabashedly just like get go out and get drunk with her friends. And it's not just this mm-hmm. like oops, one time thing. It's like, uh, you know, it's the except it's the rule, not the exception. Um, and like, you know, smoking cigarettes, which you know, probably won't see much out of you know, rom com heroines anymore anyway. I think that's like a very 90s to early aughts thing. But um, yeah, I think just seeing someone who is you know flawed in her ways and just like it's it's not this like an oopsie moment that happens once in a while it's like no she's like living this life where she doesn't always have her shit together like and that's that's okay that she can exist in this world and still find love and not have her life completely figured out at the same time
2: Yeah, I love how her triumphs are are always sort of because she made these things work for her, not because she like overcame them or changed herself in any sort of significant way or underwent like the makeover, uh, the makeover montage that we're so used to seeing in so many rom-coms. You know what I mean? She she ends up getting that final interview um with qaddafi because i mean she knows darcy but also ends up kind of like using her charms in a way to her advantage and then creating kind of like a standout interview piece not just because she was the only one but because she was the one that was doing it as well and so i i love how it was never none of it's ever really like easily given to bridget either but she kind of maybe it's very british like stiff upper lip and all that she kind of like takes it on the chin and keeps going which i think is kind of some of the charm to the movie as well as well as the character
3: that's a yeah that's a great point because um yeah I I wrote a couple times like this movie's making me feel like better about myself and not in the way where you watch a movie or you know those of us on the call that like reality television like it's not like I'm watching this and I'm (laughs) feeling better (laughs) yeah I'm feeling better because her life's a mess no it felt like she's a mess just like me and all these people in her life are constantly telling her like we really like you just as you are. Cause her friends loved her for that reason. Maybe not her mom, but her dad really loved her for all of her faults. Like it's yeah. And you're right. She doesn't change. She really just like keeps going until she finds success. Um, yeah. A- another thing I want to go back to things I remember about this movie. Cause this is the, the, um, not actually fat elephant in the room (laughs) um i remember how how much people talked about how much weight renee gained like that was oh my god thank you for bringing it up so early oh my god it's insane it's
2: insane to me because when she says her weight is 138 i'm like she's like she's fucking six pounds heavier than i am And we're and all of a sudden we're just like these fat monsters. Like it's just the way that the I mean, people still talk about women's bodies this way, but it's getting slightly better. But all of the emphasis on how Renee got so fat and all of the like all of the things that people make up around these diets of like, I bet she just like nuked her ice cream in the microwave and then drank it because she's a fatty, fat, fatter sin. And you're just like, guys, this is a wild response. And like, she's not even fat. It's like, she actually looks better this way. Like her face looks, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just like insane to me the way that people talked about her body. It's like, of course, how does this I mean, we kind of – Emily and I talked about this yesterday because we talked about the Abercrombie and Finch documentary. But, like, how, how did – I remember this happening and it definitely gave me body image issues around the way that people talked about Renee, Zellwe- Completely. Renee Zellweger's body in this movie.
0: What's interesting is, like, this movie, in terms of, like, Renee Zellweger's, you know, um, career, this is followed by Chicago where she mm-hmm. loses quite a bit of weight to be Roxy Hart – And it's interesting because, yeah, back then, like, oh, she's so brave for gaining 20 pounds to play this normal-looking British woman in her 30s, like, and only for her to then lose a ton of weight. And then for quite a bit of that decade, and not to shame her in any way, whether she's lost a lot of weight, gained weight, what have you, but for her to then, you know, feel clearly have had the pressure then to lose that weight, um, and keep it off. like I it's it is interesting to me how much of an emphasis was put on finding a traditionally, you know, a normally thin, very thin actress to play a role that was supposed to be played by someone who's supposed to weigh X number of pounds and have her gain the weight because back then, we didn't have that many, you know, what what whatever you want to call a-list actresses who are either A, going to uh, be able to play that role just the way they look today, or B, be willing to gain that weight. Um, like just looking at the people they considered for this role, I mean, it's like, um, it was Cameron Diaz. It's um, it's Helena Bonham Carter, which would have been a very, very interesting. Wow. One, like, I yes kind of cake. love that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but we do need a rom-com with a Helena Bottom Carter type of heroine. I sure, think. Sure, but just oh, not yeah. as, like this rom-com. You know, not, this, not this rom-com. It's one <laughs> where she just dances to Kate Bush like nonstop. Like I <laughs> oh, would fully support.
2: That? This. <laughs> she lives and somehow she like lives underground. Like there's like some sort of gothic steampunk clubs, oh
0: which yes. associated
2: with it. Yes. Like, you know what the what the bronze was to Buffy is to Helena Bottom Carter's character it, in this movie. Truly. Uh, the other people
0: considered are Kate Blanchett, Emily Watson, and Rachel White, Rachel Weiss, who is considered too beautiful for the world, like which. Whoa, and then, that's so rude to Renee <laughs> like, I god, and then Toni Collette declined it because she was on Broadway at the time. And uh, Kate Winslet was considered, but she was too young. She was only 24 around that time. So, oh my God, it's wow. interesting. Yeah, I forget how much younger she is. Like, she got her start very young.
2: Yeah, we'll also talk about another person who was. Whose body was talked about. Like, oh, oh, my she's, God. oh my God. she's too fat to play Rose. She'd sunk the Titanic because she's like, I mean, she would have been used to that sort of response. God,
3: that's so true. <laughs> to yeah, to that some might degree, have made unfortunately. Her... Yeah, God. But
0: oh, yeah. Her character in The Holiday, when you think about it, is quite a lot like Bridget mm. Jones. Like, oh, she's sure. sleeping with her boss. She's
3: in publishing oh, yeah. or like so news true. or something like Yeah. Very Look interesting. Look at you. The I parallels thinking, continue. I love her in The Holiday. That's such a dumb mm-hmm. movie, and I totally love it. I watch it every year. Oh, me too. <laughs> Jack Black's so adorable well, in it.
2: Well, we were talking about memorable moments from Bridget Jones. Do you guys have favorite scenes or lines from the movie that have stuck with you?
1: Um,
3: I mean, speaking of the iconic shots yeah first of all any any shot with the friends i'm obsessed with i remember thinking those friends were so cool <laughs> because like you mm-hmm. know whatever i'm like a sheltered catholic school kid i'm like oh my god they're saying fuck like so many times um i thought that was super cool and they were like smoking and one of them was gay uh and yeah anything having to do with the friends also the i mean the fight scene is so oh, incredible oh yeah it's so fantastic and, it on. and um it it goes on and on.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I so
3: was this so was this movie written and directed by men? No. It was directed okay. by a woman and the
2: book is written by a woman and Richard Curtis is like one of three writers on it and he is okay. I think he's the only man or one of two men or whatever. But, you know, I I really love the moment where she says she chooses vodka and shaka Khan, like that's an iconic Mm -hmm. moment that I think resonates with a lot of people because who, you know, doesn't deal with the breakup in kind of like a semi-destructive way. She actually has like two great lip sync couch moments. She has that all by myself, which always kind of gets me. That one's really fucking funny. Um, And I also, I think it's a fun Easter egg that doesn't get enough love is Darcy's Clothes picked out by his mother, like the reindeer jumper, which is a sweater. Oh, yeah, and then British. the snowman tie. The, the tie. Yeah. She's like, that's another classic. Like, like, I mean, I'm, and I love that she gives him shit for it. But yes, I love that they both also have that in common. It just, I don't know, it's like an interesting little fun detail that I think is honestly a little bit more enjoyable than like the story that everybody tells about her running through his yard naked as a child. Mm hmm.
0: I, um, thought fun fact. So we brought up the director. Um, so the director, her name is Sharon McGuire. She in real life is actually friends with Helen Fielding, the writer of the book and Shazer, the one who's like fucking this and bloody that with the cigarettes. She is based, that character is based on the director of the movie. Oh, I love that. That's amazing.
2: Emily, do you have any notable scenes, lines?
0: Oh, okay. Well, obviously the blue soup, the whole like feast that she makes the <laughs> oh, dinner party with her friends and Mark. Yeah. I absolutely love um I just like every t- whenever I've made potato leek soup or something, I like <laughs> Like, I always think of that scene, like, tying, you know, or anytime I have to, like, make something that requires, like, tying something together, I get really, like, will it turn blue? Um, Just double check your string color. Yes, absolutely. And then just the interview montage where she's interviewing for the producer jobs. And uh, the first one, she's, like... (laughs) the El Nino she's like oh I don't think Latin music is here to stay (laughs) like the El Nino (laughs) craze then she admits that she doesn't like she doesn't want children or doesn't have children um and for the kids station and then at the end as she's interviewing for the wake up Britain or sit up Britain there she's like well I shagged my boss and now I need to get out of this like terrible situation they're like great you start Monday I (laughs) still like absolutely love that entire montage
2: I still just think the overall sentiment of I like you just the way that you are still kind Mm -hmm. of always gets me. And I think it's such a nice I mean, I know it's it's very much like I like you and I love you. It's like the simplest phrase. And I think that that maybe sometimes also gets overlooked with the movie. I feel like it's always just about the battle between Hugh Grant and Colin Firth, which although entertaining like that fight scene is truly ridiculous. um, It maybe gets a little overshadowed by them. Hmm.
3: Um, yeah. That's, you have an, that's ad? an interesting No, that's an interesting criticism. Yeah, because I agree. That line is – it, like, should make the movie more of a, um iconic rom-com. I mean, it is, but, yeah, it's – it's yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's not
2: quoted the way that, that Harry and Sally – when I, Harry met yeah. Sally quote kind of goes around, right? Like, because it is sort of of the same vein of – you know, I like the way that you order things on the side. It's, it's, it's also that fucking 10 things I hate about you poem. It turns out I don't really hate you. Not even a little bit, not even at all. There's, Mm -hmm. there are some of those that kind of get quoted like, like that, that kind of get passed around all the time. And I don't really see this making the cut as much
3: as maybe it should,
4: but,
2: or I don't know, maybe it makes the cut the appropriate amount. I don't know. I don't have the full cultural temperature, I suppose.
3: Yeah, I wonder why that is. Because I, you know what, I was also (laughs) reflecting that this is the only rom com that I can think of that became a trilogy. I can't think of any other rom com that had like sequels, and that seems really rare. So it almost got overshadowed by like the franchise of it all. Um, But the did you watch the other two? I've seen the second one, not the third.
0: I've seen Um, both.
2: Oh, yeah. Emily, what's your review? I mean, well, we don't need to get into it too much, but I've, oh, I have no, also no, only no. seen the second and not the third.
0: So the third, as you can imagine, of course, I watched it on, where else? A plane because, like, that's <laughs> you do these things. Um, and I, I got to say, like, it was, it was fine. You know, Patrick Dempsey's in it, like, just unnecessarily so because oh. they couldn't get Hugh Grant. Um, oh. And – I, it just kind of felt unnecessary. It was just like, how is Bridget navigating this new world 15 years later? Like there's a little bit of that. And like, she goes to Glastonbury or excuse me, Glastonbury uh, with her friend. And like, it's, you know, very, the Coachella of it all um, with them, like being the oldest people there. And there's an Ed Sheeran ca- cameo. It's, it's fine. It's just kind of the plot is really useless. Like it just felt hmm it felt dead on arrival uh, when you kind of get to see what the plot is and unnecessary. So for me, it's just, and, and to be, to, to an extent, like the sequel itself, Bridget, I think it's the edge of reasons. The second one, just like, I think in both cases are kind of unnecessary and while the second one is based on the book or a book follow-up book. Um, yeah. I mean, I just don't think they stand the, the test of time quite as well as the original.
2: Well, that leads actually to – oh, sorry, Meg, go ahead.
3: No, I was just going to say I definitely agree. First one's great. Well, that really actually leads to kind of –
2: an interesting question. Um, where do you think Bridget Jones fits in within the pantheon of rom-coms? Is it I I th- we obviously all three of us think that it's like a classic must-watch in the way that when Harry makes when Harry met Sally or even how to lose a guy in 10 days is, which is ironically the first result that when you type in classic rom into Google, how to lose a guy is the first search result. So as we're talking about how we don't really see it talked about as much as these other more popular rom-coms, where do you think it fits in?
3: So, to me, it's a... Like When Harry Met Sally, it's a good film and a good Um, Mm rom-com. How to Lose a Guy is not a good movie. Like, it is. It's classic. (laughs) I understand why people like it, but like... Right. uh, Like, the actors are not at their peak in terms of acting. Like, it's kind of an odd... I don't know. There's like odd moments. Like why does she go to his family's house and they're playing bullshit? Thank you. Thank like- you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Like, yes. Thank you. Oh my God. But, oh but my like, God. That I- was I was hoping you would go there. <laughs> but-, <laughs> but like, I understand why people like it. I had a fun time watching it when I was researching for the show that we wrote on together. But like, Mm-hmm. In terms of a film like Princess Diaries, or sorry, pardon Princess Diaries, uh, that's another episode. Also, um, film, <laughs> also a great film. But Bridget Jones is like a well-crafted story. Like it's well-made. Right. the The pacing of the movie is really good. Like it feels like just structurally, it's a really good movie. Um. I the other so, thing- yeah.
0: I was just thinking about how, like, one thing that's interesting about Bridget Jones in comparison to when Harry met Sally or um, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days is that the focal point, even though yes, we've got Colin Firth and we've got um, Hugh Grant, ultimately the focal point is around Bridget. Like, it's it's Renee mm-hmm. Zellweger's movie; she is the focal point. Whereas these other movies really focus on both sides, like the couple. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. Harry and Sally, and then there's. Um, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey's characters like it, it to me it is an interesting rom-com in the sense that it, it really does focus and ironically it comes out the same year if I recall correctly as Legally Blonde which is another movie that focuses very much on the solo character versus you know and and the love story is there and that is a big part of it um, but ultimately it's this person kind of finding themselves in the midst of this journey of life if you will
2: Right. Like the love story is the B plot and the character development is the A plot. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and I think that Bridget Jones is even more unique because unlike Legally Blonde, which kind of has it's its tethered to law school in a lot of ways and bridget jones is just about a single gal in her 30s and she's totally fine with it and doesn't have a problem with it and i think in 2001 that was not as widely accepted as part of your choices as evidenced in like her mom her the mother character who's always kind of trying to set her up with somebody or try to encourage her to like cross or sorry encourage her to like dress differently or i don't know be more appeasing to men um even in the wake of a creepy uncle you know i think that that's supposed to represent society but it's it's more about just yeah like you were saying a year in bridget jones's life as ripped from her diary as the title would suggest
3: hmm that's it's an interesting it's interesting to like start categorizing these films and like Put them against what wave of feminism we were in. Like, it is really interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. that that the progression of the rom com is then giving women more of the spotlight. And um, Marco, like you said, that maybe one one small critique is that the men overshadow. Not not that the men overshadow her, but like that that storyline maybe overshadows a bit. But I will say, like part of what also makes this a great film is that the three main characters are so good. They're all at their best doing what they do best. Like I think that, yeah, elevates it so much.
2: Yeah. I also and it did a lot, I think to solidify Hugh Grant's like second coming of like, I still got it. I'm still hunky. Just as you remembered from like four weddings. And I think Colin Firth was, kind of perceived as like a more serious actor. And it was nice to see him be a little bit more, I mean, still not loose, but loose in his own way.
0: You bring up a good point though um, with with Hugh Grant. This is definitely like, much like waves of feminism, we have waves of Hugh Grant, and this is like really <laughs> <two>. true. <laughs> he so he, true. he, like admits he's like you know what? Yes, I am the man who solicited sex, like <laughs> you know, in the mid. Like he, this is around the same time about a boy comes out, and then Love mm-hmm. Actually, and then um, like a couple of other movies will follow where he plays kind of like a skeezy guy. Um, like two weeks. So this notice. Was like
2: career yeah. rehab
0: era. Yeah, because He's past the like, oh, I'm just gonna just say this and oh, oh, and get flustered. (laughs) Like he's he's past that phase. And he's into the like, I am a douche. This is who I am. And I'm gonna play this role very well. But lovable douche like Mm -hmm. there is he does a great job in about a boy and two weeks notice and like all these other films that will follow. Um, but it is interesting that yeah this is like the second wave of Hugh Grant and now we're in third wave where he's like politically active on Twitter and shows up in period uh British miniseries dramas like I'm loving these waves of Hugh Grant
2: and is a murderer <laughs> in the most recent thing that he was in yes.
3: Sorry, yes, sorry spoils a fucking awful <gasps> oh, show but he's yeah, a murderer that's right. yeah that's right <laughs> I thought I, like, didn't read the news today. I was like, come again? Um, (laughs) Sorry. I'm like, what? (laughs) The funniest thing is that, like, my affection for him didn't change when you said that. I was like, hey, probably. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But this also reminded me that I love Notting Hill. And that is also another rom-com that doesn't get the love it deserves. It's such a beautiful movie. Mm -hmm. It's so funny and sweet. And he plays that role so beautifully. Yeah. Oh man, the unsung rom coms. It feels like how to lose a guy is like the influ the IG influencer of rom coms. Like she gets sure, all the yeah. like yeah. but has way less substance.
2: I I think it's exactly as Danny Pellegrino would describe as a one star, but also five stars. Like it's Mm -mm. in your mind, you know, it's not good. It's one star, but in your heart, it's five stars because there's something about it that's like comforting or predictable Mm -hmm. or not demanding. And you're just like, yeah, okay. And I'm not saying that Bridget Jones is is can't be any of those things either because I do think that she ha- there is like sort of a comfort to it's very british filmmaking and if you are into that sort of thing i think you can find comfort in that and i don't mean that as like a dig i just think that there's like something about the way it's i mean obviously the way that they like talk and a lot of the lingo is very funny it's, it's very british mm-hmm. and it's very dry and but also I just feel like there's something like B- very BBC One. <laughs> and that's, again, not an insult, but and then you have lots of high production value things happening, but there's something.
4: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
1: Something the way
2: that it's like shot almost at times feels a little bit, and I know that they shot on location for a lot of it, but some of it sometimes feels a little bit like a play or like a set because we're in mm. kind of like these one locations a lot of the time. And again, I, I really like this it is- and I find it to be charming, but I feel like that's a, a part of the appeal or it could
0: turn you away. You bring up a really great point, which is this is one of those movies. We talk about how movies and TV shows cities can be characters. London very much in this, movie is it's is a character. Like it is very much like present in, you know, the neighborhood she lives. Like I appreciate that it feels like a very even though yes it feels like a play at times, it feels like a very real, you know, London lifestyle, like just the type of apartment or flat um that she lives in. And like um, you know, just I, I don't know. There's something about it where I feel like this is such a quintessentially British comedy. Um, and this, you know what though, but I, I would say this about all the Richard Curtis movies like London really does play such a big uh, character in all of those like four weddings and a funeral and Love Actually and all those kinds of movies and Notting Hill. Um, but I do love that, like, it is very much present. Um, but I also love that she is seen. The difference very much with How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is it's very glossy, right? So like Kate Hudson is this magazine reporter at a Cosmo-like magazine, but she somehow lives this lavish lifestyle where she has this amazing apartment and like is able to afford shit. And I'm like, that is no realistic like New York, <laughs> you know, 20-something magazine writer's lifestyle. Like who? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bridget Jones lives like her flat looks like a normal person's flat she is living, uh, you know, she, she dresses the way her income is probably like, I just, I appreciate how realistic this whole comedy is. Like, yes, there are, it's a rom-com. So there's going to be plenty of stuff that's not realistic, but I appreciate that like throughout she is, you know, the most kind of realistic, like, oh, I could believe this person exists in real life.
3: Yeah, I agree. There's also something about being in your early thirties where it's like, she's lived she has the life experience she's a little like she's a little jaded it would make sense that she has like a little bit of savings yeah it's uh, i i i really love this movie also i'm just looking at my notes and i wrote down is amy schumer our bridget jones um no. and i like <laughs> and i'm wondering well because of I feel pretty. And like, she does have similar themes in some of her movies of like being that type of gal. I don't know. What do you, well, I what mean, you think that's about her that?
2: Whole, that's her whole shtick. I'm reluctant to give it to her because I just am not a fan, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I don't, and I don't really know who would be our Bridget Jones. You know, it's like, it's maybe like for me, it's like maybe Lizzo is like closer to that in some ways. I mean, I know she does music and she's not acting. But in terms of like charming, funny, living her life and is like a positive influence, I would say I would categorize her above. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have never seen I Feel Pretty. Um, I I don't know. Before that, I would say like maybe like a Goldie Hawn type would be like our, our like Bridget Jones just because of like the Daffy aspect of her personality but Mm um i don't know emily what do you think
0: i think i think hollywood wants to push on us that amy schumer is our bridget jones in some Mm -hmm. ways um because of the types of roles that they give her and cast her in like i feel pretty which i which i've seen um felt so outdated um when i when i saw it because i was just like who is making this film and like on what planet is this girl supposed to be like this uggo, you know, because like they make her out to be this like super ugly and oh, she's not a size two, so she's huge and so supposed to not love herself whatsoever. There's, There's a bit of this like where I feel like they try to force that on us in some ways and rather than just offering us, you know, additional movies with more actresses who do look like that, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and I, I don't bridge. Uh, I would say this about Amy Schumer. She's not my favorite of of comics, and, but I just think that she's been given a lot of opportunities that could have been movies that featured many different women, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, in that type of role. And I think, yeah, we're just because we we happen to get one female comedian, white female comedian, who's blonde, who's not a size two, uh. Immediately, she was put into these various roles when I feel like there was plenty of room for there to be multiple other people. Like, as I was watching Bridget Jones, I kept thinking to myself, like, there hasn't been in a really long time, and maybe I'm not thinking all the way, you know, I'm not thinking of everything. There hasn't been a show like, you know, that equates to the way I feel when I watch Bridget Jones. Like mm. I'm thinking in the 90s we had Ally McBeal who's like this example of like a 30 something single woman living her life. Oh, and, I see what you mean.
2: Well, right, I like mean, insecure kind of dealt with that a little yes, bit. Yeah, I would agree. But, you know, it's obviously not here anymore. So I think that other than that it's like yeah, I hear you on that. It doesn't there isn't anything tackling <gasps> Are you like you saying Issa? Women in their- Ooh,
3: maybe Issa's our Bridget Jones.
2: I was also going to say because I recently Emily and I have been watching Re- We Crashed. America Ferrera could be a great Bridget Jones. We gave her the chance. Great, or even Gina, Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez mm-hmm. as well. But I, I, she was so good. America Ferrera was so good in We Crashed. I just like would love nice. to see her have a more prominent role. And because of the ugly Betty of it all, yeah, I just, that's a great. Point. She can do that kind of stuff pretty easily. Um. I think Jane the Virgin has always been – Gina Rodriguez's character, even in Jane the Virgin, she's always – she hasn't been regarded as anything other than, like, you know, for what she looks like. And so I think it would be hard to buy into this whole, like – I'm every woman, but I feel like America Ferrera has, she's got the range as they say. Yeah. So I think that would be kind of like a fun, but I know that she's maybe closer to, well, she's maybe towards the end of her thirties now. Anyway, I love her and think that she's amazing. And similarly, like an Amber Tamblyn, if we want to, we want to yeah. pull from the well of the sisterhood of the traveling pants. She's also a fantastic writer and a great actor and very funny and yes. has not really, I mean, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that FX show that she was on, why the last man got canceled. So like, I know she's got the time to be on TV or in a movie.
0: And I would say like, um, Alia Shawkat and Mae Whitman are Uh both to me, two people who like, if, if you didn't have the plot of search party, you know, revolving around other things, um, disappearances, murders, oh my, like you would, uh, I think Alia Shawkat could very well play this type of role too. And Mae Whitman, which is funny because they both got their start on a show together when they were kids. Um and later they were on hey, Arrested May. Development. But, yeah, but they're both the point. two people to me who I think would do a great job in that type of role.
3: I'm just realizing that when I said this, I didn't really mean that Amy could play Bridget Jones. I don't know what I meant. I guess I meant that like the half the like character, like the character that Amy Schumer plays. I'm realizing, right, like the closest thing. Bridget Jones, yeah, but it's like the, yeah, totally. I would say I like Amy Schumer. Um, she's not my favorite comic. I like her as a person. Like, I think she is really relatable and like, you know, like humbles herself when necessary. Her new show is really good. I really like it a lot, and I, I, it just feels it's it's more autobiographical, and I really like her in it. Um, I feel pretty was not great. I wanted it to be good. It wasn't that good. Um, train wreck, I think was, I remember it being really good. Um, but yeah, I love this game of who's our Bridget Jones. And I would love to see any rom-com that just has like a fat person. And it's not about their, them being fat. They're just like fat and also trying to find love. Um, because I was thinking, um, what's her name? Rebel Wilson had a rom-com that I didn't see. Um, but oh, she- I think right. it was sort of
2: along the same lines of I Feel Pretty. Of okay. like, she has to enter like a fake rom-com world for someone like Liam Hemsworth to find her hot or whatever. And then even then she like doesn't believe it. It was oh. not well received.
3: Yeah. No.
0: And here – Here's one thing about that is funny. It's interesting because up until that point, I felt like Rebel Wilson did get roles where, yeah, she was in that how to be single. She was in Pitch Perfect. But in both those movies, she was getting dick. And I'm like, good for her. Like, you know, I I, for me, it's – But yeah, then to see that she would be in a role like that is just um, frustrating. And I feel like, you know, someone else who gets close to getting roles like this is Aidy Bryant, but then, you know, Mm. Shrill, the whole premise for quite a bit of it – was around her weight because you know she's. It's based on the book that's by Lindy West, who you know part quite a bit of that was about you know having to um, navigate the world as a fat person. And like uh, again, these are all people who I'm just like write more rules for these humans because I want I want to see more rom coms where we see these types of heroines and they're just yeah living their lives at whatever size that they are, and it's not something that's going to be the focal point of the plot.
3: Yeah, it it makes sense to me that women were involved in this, but not but they're probably not fat because there's this one line where, where she finds the woman that Hugh has cheated on her with. And the woman says, I thought you said she was thin. And I was like, is this what thin people think other thin people talk about? I was like, in what (laughs) world are you fucking someone? And you're like, Oh, I'm cheating on my thin girlfriend with you. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) That was so fucking weird. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think also, even just the way you just
2: described it is like pure villain edit, you know, so maybe that's yeah. why they had that line in there. But, right, there is no world where that makes, I guess that might be a thing that bumps us <laughs> as, a, as a negative, but there's no world where I could hear that being uttered as like a real line, you know, in your life.
0: Totally. I totally. think that's a good um That's a good point, though. There are a few things in this movie that are like, did not age well. And that for me, you brought up a great point that that line just feels like it's maybe not so much that it aged or didn't age well, but like, it's, uh, it's clear, you know, who all wrote this and who was a part of the production process.
3: Yeah. And like, this was 20 years ago, like, even then, it just wasn't, you know, it was a different time. Um, like then, were there any other things that stood out? Um, um, I kept writing, is Julian gay (laughs) over and over again? (laughs) The, the man that, um, the mom's having an affair with. I was like, what is happening here?
0: Oh, right. right.
3: that side (laughs) plot
2: yeah I guess in the overall scheme of things, I'm not really sure if that ever connected back around, right?
0: I just think Julian at this point has been me too. like if we're if if, if <laughs> oh my god, if, if bridget jones is is happening in real life at this point, based on how he's treating everyone behind the scenes while <laughs> watching this movie. Let's just say uh, Julian uh, does not have a show on the Home Shopping Network anymore. <laughs>
3: I wrote down ham-fisted cunt, LOL, because that, yeah. that <laughs> was incredible. Wow. That was incredible. Oh, my God. That, that's an iconic. That is an iconic line read, and we need to be saying that more often. <laughs> 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 I will say, like, the, I mean, from the beginning to the end, like, um, Margie, you brought up the beginning. The beginning is such an incredible opening to a movie. It's so mm-hmm. good. And she plays it so genuinely. Like, that's what I appreciate, that even though she's a thin person that gained weight, I really think she, she really played the role really beautifully. And I like that she was really unapologetically, like, sexy. She's, like, wearing short skirts and see-through tops and like again this isn't actually a fat woman but in her life and in this world she is uh and she's being sold to us as a fat person so yeah the opening is so iconic the fight scenes and I think the ending is where she's like running out of the house in her undies like yeah I I love I love how it ends as well
2: Emily, what did you think? Do you have a uh, favorite parts that you wanted to get into?
0: I mean, just every single, like uh, this one part, I love um, when she's at the dinner party with all the couples and oh. uh, she, for this like split moment, she has like this support from Mark Darcy. Like, you know, she's like, isn't it, you know, one out of every three or four couples that ends in marriages that end in divorce. And he immediately comes in with the one in three. Um, And then later, like, goes to, you know, tell her, you know, despite all these things, like, he really, really likes her just the way she is. Um, That, to me, stands out as a scene, especially with, like, the Van Morrison of it all behind, you know, background, soundtrack in the background. Like, it's just um, very sweet. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's what the reason, it's what's, made me love Colin Firth for so many years, that and like Pride and Prejudice miniseries where he's essentially playing the same character because this is supposed to be a modern telling of Pride and Prejudice to a certain extent. Um, It's, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I think that's probably one of the best scenes. And then you brought up earlier the two drinking, um, dancing, lip syncing scenes, both iconic as well. Um, and just in general, there's a lot of great PJ wear in this um, movie <laughs> is what I'm remembering. Like, I'm just watching. She's got flying pig pajamas. She's got like plaid pajamas. I'm just thinking, I need some fun pajamas. Like, I need to be able to live my best life like Bridget Jones. I need some better lounge wear. <laughs>
2: You're right. You know, they really prominently feature our girl being like extra cozy at all times, which I, I wish more movies would
0: do. Right. Right. Because it's not sexy loungewear. Let's let us no. let, be clear. This is no. like 50, 50% off like what I do, which is like around Christmas time, I go get the, you know, $7 Old Navy like pajama pants with like, I have French Bulldogs with Santa hats I wear in, you know, probably tonight in the middle of April. Like, that is the kind of loungewear I'm looking for in my rom-coms.
2: Just another way that she is relatable. Well, as we start to wrap up this episode, were there any parts rewatching this movie that made you feel nostalgic? We kind of, like, dipped in, Meg, about your one of your memories around Bridget Jones as your friend's mom shockingly finding out that Renee Zellweger is, in fact, not British. <laughs> Did it
3: bring back any other memories, good or bad? Well, the Nokia case. Did you guys clock the Nokia case? The the friend yeah, oh, was like,
1: "Yeah." Oh, of course.
3: <laughs> Thank God. I was like, "Oh my God!" I've basically, I think, I invented a um a phrase, and it's nostalgia serotonin, and that's just when you like see something <laughs> from your and you are like, "Everything's gonna be okay in the world." Like seeing that bottle it and
0: put it in a vial baby yes
3: like (laughs) that midnight blue nokia case that i think he was like opening at the table like was it a gift i forget but i died i died for that so great
0: emily i just like appreciative that like in many ways like that just stands as like these great little moments of time like this is a timeless movie in some ways but just enough nostalgia that, like you, you appreciate it with with that the MSN of it all of them like having flirty email exchanges. Like, oh
2: gosh! <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, which you know, and nowadays would just land you in HR. Like, let's be honest. Again, the sign of the times. Like this, the this email exchange would uh, again make its way. Mark Darcy, uh, not Mark Darcy. Daniel Cleaver would be also Me Too'd at this point, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, yeah, there's just a, a bit of it that's that's so, you know, has these crisp little moments of just, like you said, like this nostalgia serotonin of just, man, what a time. Like, the kids will never know as we watch this on Turner Classic Movies.
4: I can't
3: believe it was on fucking TCM. <laughs> I've never
0: felt more
2: insulted in my life and by my close personal <laughs> friend, Benny Mankeys. And so as we wrap this up, we talked a little bit about where we think that Bridget Jones fits in within the pantheon of rom-coms. But where do we think it fits in within the culture, especially in the early aughts?
3: It, it feels like a great example of a book-to-movie film. Even though I haven't read the book, it, it almost watches like a book. And so I think it's mm-hmm. probably one of the better adaptations. Um, and like I said, it's a good film and a good movie. But also, like, the legacy is that, that it was a trilogy, which is, like, really rare. And I don't know. it. It's kind of odd that that happens. Like, I wonder why that happened for that and not other movies. Um, and really, I honestly think, like, at the time, people were so... Like, almost impressed that she gained that much weight. Like, the amount of fucking attention. And I thought I remember they said she gained 40 pounds, which now I'm, like, so concerned for Thin Renee. I'm like, how fucking small was this woman? But, like, like her being (laughs) able to put herself out there and, like, take that risk. I truly think people were like, wow, commendable. We will pay you so much money. To like make your body change I don't know it's such a trip to think back to those times Ugh. but yeah, why do you um, think that this I movie think... was the one that became a trilogy ooh, I mean, other than the fact that I think more books came
2: out i I really don't know, and to to be honest, I think it's kind of like. A detriment to its legacy, like you were saying. Like, Mm. it is maybe in the way that, like, the Sex and the City movies are not to keep making this correlation, but in the way that the Sex and the City movies are now kind of tainted by how bad Sex and the City 2 was. And I'm not trying to defend either movie as, like, actually being a good movie. Again, one star, five star rule applies very heavily here, but I feel like it's very overshadowed by how shitty the second one was and how like cringy and absurd and how divorced it was from the rest of the Sex and mm-hmm. City universe. I, I think that Bridget Jones maybe suffers a bit of that, and maybe that's why it's perhaps not as culture culturally relevant as something less substantive of a film like t- like How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. So mm. maybe that's a little bit of it. So I think that that's kind of unfortunate. I, don't, I really don't know why they decided to serialize it and make more movies. Uh, it, kind of, it kind of feels like because they could and it's a cash grab. I mean, why do they make you know a bajillion Marvel movies? But yeah, it is very rare to see it happen to a rom-com. And I think nowadays, maybe if it was a more successful movie made now, they would just make it into a TV show perhaps instead of adding more movies to the series.
0: You just brought up a point that, like, this is one that I'm surprised after the movie, the third movie, came out in 2016, I think. uh, They have not made a TV show, but I – you know what? Mark my words. In the next five years, they made a – what is it? Four Weddings and a Funeral show that Mindy Kaling produced a few years ago. I think someone's going to make a Bridget Jones show. Like, I – I feel like it's you know I wh- while I'd much rather see us greenlight a show about a third unapologetic thirty something uh, that's original. Um, yeah. I do think that that's going to happen in the next five years. Like it just feels like it's 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 inevitable.
3: That's well, a good point. I have that, a pilot yeah. script
2: that's about two thirty something's that are unapologetically themselves. If anybody is listening and interested, Meg's read it. She'd be a perfect it's fit really for Molly. Good.
3: Oh my god, please cast me as Molly. God, gift of gifts. (laughs) Molly is totally a Bridget Jones. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of it is like Bridget Jones is an archetype that we can kind of connect with. Like she's, Mm -hmm. the beauty of her is she kind of breaks the mold of being a woman. And it also makes me sad. It kind of makes me sad that like also being like being fat and schlubby maybe gives people the stereotype that you're automatically like, like schlubby in your, in your life. Uh, um, but as like a woman, it's empowering to be like, oh yeah, sometimes I like, you know, don't clean my dishes and I, I don't do things that are ladylike. And that's actually a lot more realistic than, you know, you know, the 1950s, like housewife stereotype. Um, it would be a great show, but yeah, I agree. Give give original storytellers their due. There's plenty of stories similar.
2: Yeah, I loved what you said about her being an archetype, which means that we can kind of do whatever with this type of person that doesn't need to necessarily be so tied to Bridget Jones, the fictional character i mm-hmm. emily you had mentioned that like the bridget jones's baby was sort of like what is she like 15 years later and i agree like do we really need this perspective like what is it gonna bring like how how could we make a bridget jones in 2016 would have been a way more interesting thought experiment than having bridget jones just show up in 2016 her same old self you know 15 years later exactly exactly Do we have any final
3: thoughts about Bridget Jones's diary? I was going to say you mentioned, um, sorry, I'm the one that mentioned this is very rare. And then I remember that they made a second. um, Oh, my God. They made a second Miss Congeniality and a second Legally Blonde. And so now I'm thinking, was this just the early 2000s attempt? Like it may I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And they were awful. And I think Regina King was in both of those films. Um, thank God, <laughs> Regina King. Like people were like, "Wow, she has um, a talent outside of being the sidekick in the sequel of films." Yeah, I think
2: unlike. Miss or Legally Blonde, or both sequels to Miss and Legally Blonde. I think maybe the third is what really kind of did it in. I think maybe if they didn't have this, I mean, because the third movie is, by and large, uh, you didn't need it. Like, I don't really mm. understand how that ended up kind of happening, especially since there isn't a book that it's based on. It's just sort of like, oh, here she is. Bridget Jones and a baby because we need to check in with her and and we're going to replace Hugh Grant with Patrick Dempsey which should work but I think it's just the whole being tied to the Bridget Jones brand kind of cuts you off at the knees of like trying to be original or take this character in any sort of different direction without upsetting whether it be an executive or an audience person
3: Mm -hmm. but that's
2: just kind of my thoughts on it I uh, don't really
0: have any. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't really have any final thoughts. I think that this is just, you know, one of those movies that uh has done a good job standing the test of time. Um and is still a great rewatch as like as evidenced two hours ago as I was watching it, right?
3: Yay. (laughs) It's a fantastic rewatch. Yeah, I I I this has been said, but like it really, really holds up. And that's hard to do for Mm comedies. And it really holds up. Like there are maybe three like, ooh, moments of like a racist joke or a fat whatever. I mean, there's probably more fat phobia than that. But I mean, I I definitely didn't feel triggered watching this movie as like a chubby person. I wasn't like, oh, this makes me feel awful. It actually made me feel really good about myself. (laughs) So um, yeah, it's doing really well. Okay, the last question I have is... Like, what would we want the Bridget Jones TV show to look like? Like, what would be the changes you would make? Because that whole, the whole thing of I her like, choosing between like wearing a thong and wearing um, granny panties, I was like, oh my god, this is like the conversation around shapewear today. I'm like, nothing's fucking mm-hmm. changed. <laughs>
2: Exactly, cuz I was like, wait, isn't that just like shapewear and watching it, you know, yesterday or whatever? I was like, I don't understand what the shame is in this, but I guess, you know, in 2001, I had to remind myself that maybe it was a more shameful secret as as opposed to how open everybody is about wearing shapewear now. I think for the show, I mean, I think I would want it to just follow a 30 something and get more of the friends in there and because you you know in a tv show you need to have you know your a and b and c plots going so we can have some fun b plots with like the friends i, I wouldn't maybe necessarily want her like banging her boss because i don't really need this like the me too of it all or even just sort of like the stigma that could kind of like come along with it i don't care if she's like having some steamy affair but maybe just not her boss or maybe not at work maybe it's just like some local bartender or something that's um, what i was going to say but i i kind of wanted it to be like a sex in the city again sorry to keep making these comparisons i would want it to just be like her like living her life and i would really i what i really love about the movie that we didn't really kind of get into is the seasons that it goes through. I would kind of like an emphasis of like, we have season one, we're in winter and we kind of like deal with that. And then we have season two and we deal with spring and then summer and then fall. And then we loop back around to winter and we end it all in season five. That is my idea. I love it.
0: I agree with that. And they actually did that to an extent with the four weddings and a funeral TV show. Um, I watched that on Hulu, I think it was on Mm-hmm. Um, they did a little bit of that seasonal stuff, and I feel like that's a big Richard Curtis thing because, like, Notting Hill mm-hmm. does that, like, so oh, yeah. beautifully as yeah. well yeah. in that, and like, for um, no sunshine sequence. And for weddings, for sure. Um, I agree. Uh, I just think, yeah, there that the, uh, I think in this reboot that's a TV show, um, yeah, there's just, like, none of this, like, needing to talk about shapewear. There's none of this, like, needing to have her, you know, be – Uh, having an affair with a superior at work like that just complicates things like just someone living their life uh, unapologetically and being able to enjoy it and be someone who uh, is maybe not a thin person uh, would just be fantastic. Uh,
3: Another thing this movie did a great job of is capturing the conversations people have when you when you're a single woman in your 30s like How's your dating? Do you want kids? You better get going. Like time's a waste, and you're not getting any younger. Um, and so, I think they could do more with that. Like that conversation at the dinner table where she gets defensive and talks about the divorce, like statistics. It just reminds me of like married friends today that are dealing with like infertility and like the horrible, like all of the invasive questions that go with that. Um, I feel like this movie really captured that well. And so I could see that having a modern twist.
2: Yeah. There's those scenes in the cold open with her family. And then we have like the dreaded couples dinner and it just sort of feels like she's always, no pun intended, singled out and questioned about her love life. (laughs) And, and I'm sure none of that has really kind of changed now for a lot of people. People just like have funnier ways of asking you about your love life that is less straightforward or like on the face of it, kind of like rude. So yeah, I I would be interested to see some of that, and then also seeing Bridget Jones like date in a modern way. And you know, I I put air quotes around this Bridget Jones in this reboot TV series, mini series, or whatever, because Bridget Jones is just like a shorthand for whoever this main character would be. But I would love Mm -hmm. to see more like takes on modern dating because she is like threatened to be set up on a blind date, which still kind of happens now. But like even just kind of a more of a truthful exploration of like the apps. And maybe if you're also still in close proximity to your hometown, like, I don't know, reconnecting with people from high school because, boy, have I seen my fair share of that happen. So, you know, I would just be interested to explore the different aspects of, like, dating currently, but through this character. Awesome. Well, this was an amazing chat, Meg. Thank you so much for coming on yes, and being thank you. our guest yeah. today. We had a great time. Thank you for being our first two, Pete. Um, Emily has a dead mic that she's going to spray paint gold and send your way as a token of our appreciation. Bye. And um, if you want, you why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Tell us a little bit more about the Vicious Cycle podcast.
3: Yeah, so, yeah, the the only thing I have to plug is my um, podcast with our buddies, Kate and Meg. Um, it is a comedy podcast about periods. We're about to launch our sixth season um, in the next Woo. month, probably. Uh, so you can binge. I think we have 95 episodes, 94 episodes, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, We have fun. It's... Yeah, we mostly laugh a lot and we cover pretty much all topics related to periods, uteri, cervixes, what have you. Um, And you learn, like we learn a lot as well. And we have a live show coming up if you live in the Bay. We are doing a live show for our, our 100th episode on June 18th. So if you follow us on Instagram at Vicious Cycle Podcast. You can get more information there.
2: Uh, amazing. We're exciting. Like a hundredth episode. Oh my God. And I know. a live what? show. That sounds like so much fun. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be great. Well, thank you again to Meg for joining us today. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of Old Millennials. If you liked what you heard, you can leave us a five-star review, either here on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. We also have a Patreon if you would like two pieces of bonus content a month. And you want to join the Old Millennials Cinematic Universe for your troubles? Well, you can just head on over to Patreon at old, the Old or is it the old millennials pod? Old millennials pod on Patreon? It's o-
0: old Old Millennials Pod. No, no article.
2: Right. And then it changes when you get to Facebook and Instagram. And then we're the old millennials pod over there. And thanks again for listening. And we will talk to you guys
3: soon. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>